1: What's up guys week number 10 of the NFL season officially in the books and we are officially headed downhill on the 2023 campaign As week 10 represents the beginning of the second half of this season. So yeah, it's more than halfway over now. How depressing uh, is that Thanksgiving is on the horizon and before you know it Christmas will be here and um Shortly after Christmas ends, uh, so does the football season. So it's all happening so quickly. And, uh, you know, hell, if you watch five minutes of television, Christmas is already here because those assholes in the advertising industry like to uh, start freaking out about Christmas at 12.01 on November 1st. Uh, The minute it's no longer Halloween, all of a sudden it's Christmas uh, season. I saw a really funny meme uh, online the other day. Where it was a picture of a turkey with a pilgrim hat on its head sitting on top of uh, Santa Claus that was laying on, you know, like knocked unconscious, laying on his back with a sign that said, Wait your turn, fat boy. And uh, I thought that was appropriate because growing up, each holiday, for lack of a better phrase, had its turn. You know, Halloween had its turn, that it was Thanksgiving season. And Thanksgiving used to be Halloween in the fact that the moment that it was midnight on Thanksgiving, meaning it was Friday, now Black Friday, now it's time for Christmas. Like literally the second Thanksgiving it was over, it's Christmas time. Because in, in a lot of cases, depending on what uh, what day of the month uh, Thanksgiving falls on, because it's not on the same day as far as, like, December 25th or October 31st, and I don't know why I'm telling you this. You know this stuff. But, uh, you know, it's the fourth Thursday in 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 uh, in November. So, like, this year it's, um, what, like the 24th or something like that? Um, you know, sometimes it's been as late as the 28th, which is probably the latest, or the 29th, you know, something like that. So it's just – it fluctuates on what day of the month it actually falls on, usually within like the same five-day window, anywhere from like the 22nd to the 28th, but that's a wide range uh, of, of dates. So you could have anywhere from just a little over a month to a little less than a month between Thanksgiving and Christmas Day, which is probably why advertisers saw it in their infinite wisdom to start advertising on November 1st. For Christmas, when there is a major holiday in between. Sorry about that. Rant over. But the NFL season, uh, that's what we're here. We're here to talk about uh, football. So, interesting week uh, of games. We had several buzzer beater uh, field goals, some of which helped me, some of which hurt me. Goddamn Texans and Falcons bone me again on the last minute. (laughs) Same. Two weeks in a row, you know, the Falcons losing a game at the last minute, the Texans winning a game at the last minute. Both times I picked the Falcons, both times I picked against the Texans, I've been wrong both these weeks. So watch me pick a, pick the opposite way next week, and they both screw me again. So see if we can make it three for three uh, in week number 11. But uh, tons of stuff. Uh, including my beloved wearing the worst uniforms in the history of pro sports on Thursday night football, and they played appropriately. And even though they they dug out a win, it, it was still hard to, to look at. So enough of all that. Uh, sorry about my holiday rant. Let's get to football. This is the Week 10 review episode of The Fourth Phase. So let's get to it. Welcome to The Fourth Phase, presented by Bears Talk Underground and Sports Drink Media. And now, your host, Larry D. Week number 10, an interesting mixture uh, of games uh, this week. Like I said, a lot of really close games, a lot of buzzer beater uh, finishes. Detroit and the Chargers came down to a field goal, Seattle and Washington came down uh, to a field goal. It's the Atlanta, Arizona. Kyler Murray is back uh, and playing. Led the Cardinals to their first win in six weeks since beating the Cowboys, uh, like week two, week three, whenever that was. Uh, you know, Green Bay and Pittsburgh come down uh, to the wire. Um, you know, not many, not many blowouts. I mean, there were a couple, including a game that I thought. Might be more competitive and, uh, and everything. And speaking of you know San Francisco and Jacksonville, that game did not go at all the way that I thought it would. And I, I, I know that I picked Jacksonville to win, and I was absolutely wrong about that. I'm not actually surprised at all that the 49ers won, which is why I put such a low confidence point on it. I only put one on Jacksonville, so that loss didn't hurt me too bad. Um, I didn't know that San Francisco would come all the way back uh, against the uh, against the uh, Jags like they did uh, yesterday, so we'll see what else. Uh, what else we got? Cleveland and Baltimore, another down to the wire uh, finish. We already talked about Houston and how they screwed me uh, again this week. We had one of the worst played football games in Frankfurt in Germany, to where they probably won't let the NFL come back after that snooze fest. And uh, a whole lot to get to. But uh, as we do, we start our week number, uh, week number 10 review episode with the All Out Blitz. All Out Blitz for week number 10. We start in Germany. Depending on your perspective, this was either a defensive battle or an offensive to- snooze fest, as Indy and New England combined for 16 points with the Colts coming out on top with a 10-6 win in Germany. New Orleans at Minnesota. Someone needs to tell Josh Dobb playing in the NFL is supposed to be hard. He's playing for his third team this year, but it didn't stop him from going 23-34 of for 268 and two touchdowns as he leads the Vikes to another win, 27-19 over the Saints green bay at pittsburgh this was a very even game between the two teams but in the end it was the steeler defense picking jordan love off twice in the fourth quarter to hold off the packers hey packer fans how does it feel for your quarterback to be a liability in crunch time welcome to hell yeah. Tennessee at Tampa Bay. The Buccaneers' defense held the Titans to 42 yards rushing on the day and kept the Titans out of the end zone. Meanwhile, Baker Mayfield went 18 for 29 for 278 and two touchdowns. The snap the Bucks four-game losing streak, 27-6 over the Titans. (laughs) Atlanta at Arizona. Four weeks ago, the Falcons beat Tampa to take over first place in the South. Since then, they've lost three in a row, with each loss more soul-crushing than the last. As the returning Kyler Murray led the Cardinals on an 11-play, 70-yard drive, capped off by a 23-yard Matt Prater field goal to snap a six-game losing streak, 25-22 over Atlanta. (coughs) Detroit at the Chargers in an absolute shootout. The two teams combined for over 130 plays, 900 yards of offense, and 79 points. And in the end, it was the Lions who came out on top with Riley Patterson's 41-yard field goal to win it, (laughs) 41-38. Giants at Cowboys. The Cowboys held the Giants scoreless for six quarters, holding a 28-0 lead at halftime. The Giants were an absolute mess right now, averaging 10 points a game over their last eight games. No wonder they're 1-7 in that stretch. Cowboys went huge, 49-17. Washington at Seattle. Sam Howell's 35-yard touchdown pass to Diami Brown. Tied the game at 26 with 52 seconds to go. But that was enough time for Geno Smith to get the Seahawks in field goal range as Josh Myers hit a 43-yarder at the buzzer to get Seattle the nail-biting 29-26 win over the Commanders. Yeah jets and raiders on sunday night football zach wilson and the jets were able to move the ball well on sunday night with over 350 yards of offense but they could only close but they could not close the deal settling for four greg Zerline field goals for their 12 points and in the end only one touchdown was scored by raider rookie tight end michael meyer mayer excuse me early in the fourth quarter but it was enough to push the raiders past the uh, jets 16 to 12. Yeah. And finally, on Monday Night Football, despite four turnovers, the Bills were not only in the game but took the lead on a Josh Allen touchdown run to go up 22-21. But Buffalo would not get out of their own way. As a pass interference call got Denver in field goal range, then a 12-man on the field penalty gave Will Lutz a second shot at a game-winning field goal, which he hit to give Denver the 24-22 win in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. And there you have it, guys, the all out blitz for week number 10. And I think there was, what, six buzzer beater field goals to win games, including the Monday Nighter? I mean, just the, it was just bananas. I watched almost the entire Monday night game tonight. And it just, I marvel at how Buffalo would just, like I said, they wouldn't, not they couldn't get out of their way, they wouldn't get out of their own way. You know, they've got Russell Wilson dead to rights. It's third and 10. He just heaves one up for, um, I think it was Jerry Judy. And he hung it up so so high that when Judy came back for the ball, his defender ran smack into him. Didn't look back for the ball, just ran right into him. Easy pass interference penalty. And you know what? I, I actually give more credit to Russell Wilson for what he did. Then you know, then I would scold the defender for the play that that he made. But we're we're Buffalo really screwed up. Will Lutz misses a forty-one yard field goal. Okay, he misses it. The game's over. In but for some reason Buffalo's got twelve guys on the field, so they get a five yard penalty, and Lutz gets the chance to do it again. He nailed, I mean, it could not have been more down the middle uh, on that one. Just an unbelievable unbelievable ending to that football game and you know buffalo is an absolute mess right now five and five they're out of the playoffs if the season uh ended today and yet denver four and five (laughs) you know who would have thought that with the chiefs and the the bronc or excuse me and the bills sitting in front of them that they'd be two and oh uh in those games just just insane their third their third win in a row to be four and five one game away from uh from 500 so Anyway, I just I – just, that Buffalo game really was just something else, man. I could not believe that the Bills blew that game. After coming – despite it all, like I said, despite it all, four turnovers, they found themselves in, in the lead after that Josh Allen touchdown run. But, nah, we can't have nice things, so somebody throw a grenade into the center of the field and let's blow this thing up, and that's exactly what they did, so – Anyway, guys, that's it for the All Out Blitz. Let's go ahead and close out the show with our final segment, the week number 10, Pick 6. Pick 6 for week number 10. We got 14 games this week, so that means we got four in the Pick 6. Carolina at Chicago, Houston at Cincinnati, San Francisco at Jacksonville, and, of course, Cleveland at at Baltimore, we had two down to the wire. Well, three actually, because the Thursday night game was a was a close one, and one surprising blowout. I mean, this was a game that when I saw the schedule, I was like, "Oh yeah, that one's got to be in the the pick six because that's definitely going to be one to keep an eye on for sure. And it was the most lopsided victory of the week, except for maybe the uh, Cowboys and the Giants. But at least the Giants scored points in that game, whereas Jacksonville got it to about 10-3, to 3, and that was as close as they got because the 49ers just blew them out from uh, from there. We'll get to them here in a few moments. We start in Chicago on Thursday night football. As I said before, my beloved Chicago Bears were wearing the worst uniforms in the history of organized sports, and they played like it for the most part uh, in that football game. And the defense actually played very well you know, only allowed six points, uh, from the Panthers, 213 total yards, only 12 first downs and six points by the Panther offense. If, if, if not for a bad night on special teams for the punt return team or for the punt team, I should say, um, you know, this game wasn't as close, uh, as the final score would indicate, you know, and also indicates that, uh, The Panthers had a shot at this game at the end, which they absolutely did. But uh, Amir Smith-Marset, former Chicago Bear, among other teams, had a 79-yard punt return in the first quarter, and that was the only touchdown that Carolina could muster uh, throughout the uh, football game. You know, the Panthers had flashes uh, from time to time uh, on offense but was mostly anemic uh, on offense. Couldn't really get anything... Uh, going, I mean, I thought the Bears were in trouble as the first quarter uh, came to a close because they had that punt return for the touchdown, and then after the Bears give the ball back almost immediately after that, the Panthers went on a drive. I mean, uh, uh, I was going to say C.J. Stroud, but um, Bryce Young hits a receiver for a big forty-five yard gain that got into Bear uh, territory. They were; it seemed like we we couldn't tackle. Anyone, as they were just running it down our throats there uh, at one point. But as the first corner moved into the second, something happened with the uh, defense. They shut down. That drive settled for a field goal, so it was 10-3 to at that point uh, in the game. And after that, the defense was an iron trap. They didn't, weren't let anything uh, get past them on, on that one. Carolina only mustered one more field goal uh, for the rest of the game uh, in that one. The Bears on offense uh, with uh, with it, again. It was kind of like the Raider game all over again, only without the points. That it wasn't uh, it wasn't sexy, uh, but it was efficient. It was effective. And once we finally scored, uh, Deontay Foreman ran one in from about four yards out. Once we finally scored our touchdown, that was pretty much all she wrote because the Bear defense really clamped down. On on Carolina didn't allow any touchdowns on defense. Montez Sweat uh, led the Bears with eight pressures, and there were several. Yannick Ngakwe, um, Rasheem Green, and others that had you know four or five you know pressures uh, of their own. The Bears did. The Bears only sacked. Um, they they sacked Young three times uh, in this game, but they affected him a lot more than that. We were in the twenties, I think, in pressures. Uh, for the day, and uh, you know Montez Sweat didn't didn't record a first his first sack as a Bear yet, but he he affected the pocket, which obviously opened things up for uh, for other guys. Uh, Yannick Ngakwe had a had a sack, Justin Jones had a sack, and I believe Rasheem Green uh, was the other one that had a sack uh, on the day. But we hit him more, we got after him, we still wouldn't send the pressure though. That, that's what was really. Frustrating is like I know I basically just made an argument for the fact that we were getting home, but we weren't. You know, we were making pressure, we were affecting the pocket some, but it's it wasn't into, it wasn't like he was Iberflus was being aggressive and going after him to try to really affect him to make a bad throw because we had our guest Rashad Beard uh, on the preview episode saying, you know, he can be got to. And, you know, the offensive line in front of him has been terrible, which has led to him having happy feet. Maybe sometimes he's seeing ghosts and whatnot. It's like when you see that on film, uh, you got to exploit that. you got to go after him. And the Bears didn't do that. We just flat out didn't. And that was the most frustrating thing to see was that we, we saw how he reacted when he was under pressure from our pass rush. Imagine what he would do if he was under intense pressure because we sent somebody. And Ibraflus did sprinkle it in very, very little in the second half, but nowhere near as much as I would have knowing how he's affected by it. And that was the really frustrating uh, part uh, to watch. So, you know, the Bears did not play a great game, but thankfully we're playing the Panthers, who are one of the few teams that are actually worse uh, than the Bears, and, uh, you know, the Panthers, despite it all, uh, had a chance to send it to overtime, but former Chicago Bear legend himself, Eddie Pinero, uh, missed a 59-yard field goal. It was, it, it was straight enough, but it was not long enough and allowed the Bears to hold on to the win and also elevated Carolina to the number one overall pick again, which is cemented because the Cardinals won. So now Carolina is the only one win team in the league, therefore firmly in number one, which means the Bears have number one. However, the win did push us down the board uh, a little bit. Obviously, Carolina is actually, I wonder, or excuse me, where Arizona is now that they've won. Because even though they're two and eight, they're the same as the Giants and the Patriots, who both lost uh, on Sunday. So they're two, three, and four, but the order of it I'm not so sure now because of uh, because of the car Well, the Giants beat the Cardinals, so maybe the Cardinals are still number two. Maybe I don't. I wonder if head to head actually factors into. But it's like I know the Bears have fallen from like when we were one and three or two and three going into the game. We pushed Carolina up to number one, and the Bears have fallen to five. Now, because we have three wins, we're behind the two-win teams of Arizona, New York, or the Giants, I should say, the New York Giants, and the uh, and the Patriots. But the Bears win the game, so I get the pick, and even more specifically, I went all-in on the Bears. So imagine how nervous I was when uh, we were losing going deep into the third quarter before Devant, uh, De- Deontay uh, Foreman's touchdown we, when we went up 16 to uh, 10 yeah I put all 14 points on the Bears and thankfully they did not let me down
0: <laughs>
1: Houston at Cincinnati this game was wild you know it was uh, it, it was an interesting uh, situation that uh, you know or to, that led me to pick this game as a uh, as a pick six and, and I and I chose it. As you guys heard me say in the uh preview episode, the reason that I picked it was not because I thought Houston would win and how wrong I turned out to be uh about that, but because I wanted to see how Houston would would respond or how Houston would be able to handle being in this situation. You know, being on the road where they had where they were they were one and three on the road going into this. Uh, game. They you know, they had they had four wins. They'd won three games at home and lost three games on the road. Three and one at home, th- one and three on the road, going into Cincinnati, who's on a four game winning streak. Just beat the Bills uh on Sunday night football, beat the forty beat the breaks off the 49ers a couple of weeks prior to that on the road. And here come the uh the plucky Houston Texans and C. J. Stroud who, you know, threw for 470 yards against the Bucks last week, but it took basically all 60 minutes for them to win that game uh against Tampa Bay. What would they do against a much much better team uh in the Bengals or at the very least a team playing much much better football uh than Tampa Bay uh was. And I'll be damned if CJ Stroud and the Texans didn't pull it off again. You know, I mean it was it's just a crazy. Situation, and right off the bat, it looks like okay. Here we go. This is what this is supposed to look like. As on the opening drive, the uh, the the Bengals traveled seventy five yards on ten plays and and put one in the end zone right off the bat. Trenton Irwin, whoever that is, caught a thirty two yard pass right down the sideline uh, from Joe Burrow to go up seven nothing. And then it comes back. The uh, Texans win the second quarter. 10 nothing, so they take a 10-7 lead into, into halftime. And what's funny is Houston lost two fumbles on that opening drive that killed promising drives, especially uh, the first fumble. C.J. Stroud fumbles the snap at, like, the Cincy five-yard line. It was fourth and goal, or, like, fourth and inches, I believe it was, like fourth and one, and that was, like, the last play of the first quarter, or one of them, anyway. They fumbled the ball and come away with zero points when they made it all the way down to like the Cincinnati uh, five yard line uh, or whatever it was, and it's just like what a missed opportunity for the uh, for the Texans. Yeah, CJ Stroud. Nope, that's not the one. Yep, there it is. A play seventy two yard drive that ended on Cincinnati nine yard line. Excuse me, but it was fourth and one at the Cincinnati nine. Stroud fumbles the, uh, fumbles the snap. It was, you know, um, recovered by, by uh, DJ Reader uh, for, uh, for the Bengals, and the ball's heading back the other way. Now, granted, it was a three and out, and the, the, the Bengals gave the ball right back, and that led to the first touchdown drive for the, uh, for the Texans to tie it up, but a missed opportunity. They're inside the 10-yard line. And rather than take the points and and go for the field goal or whatever, they try to go for it on uh, fourth and one, end up fumbling the snap and coming away with nothing after eight plays and 72 yards and almost four minutes' uh, time of possession. Nine plays, excuse me. So, you know. But watching this game as a whole obviously became a a passing, a battle between two very skilled uh, passers. You know, CJ Stroud and Joe Burrow, very similar stat lines. Uh, Stroud 23 of 39 for 356 and a touchdown. Joe Burrow 27 of 40 for 347 and two touchdowns. The thing is, CJ Stroud um, had a mixture of, it was a mixture like watching the pass protection for both teams was a mixture of the line being good and their quarterbacks being brilliant. Cause Stroud was moving around in the pocket, keeping plays alive, and then launching the ball down the field, finding somebody he's playing street ball out there for a lot of the uh for a lot of the game. You know, the the offensive line still has Laramie Tunzel, and even though it's beat up and you've got guys kind of plugged in here and there, overall, the offensive line does its job a majority of the time. But there's also those times where you know, all hell breaks loose, and here comes this pass rusher or that one, and Stroud only got sacked once in this game. At other times, he's running for his life, moves away from this guy, retreats backwards into the pocket, runs back up towards the line of scrimmage, boom, finds somebody 25 yards downfield for the first down. I mean, if you're a Bengals fan, you were pulling your hair out watching the defensive, watching the defense let this guy get away over and over, Uh, you know, in, in pass uh in, in passing situations, and then Cincinnati was very very similar. Sometimes the offensive line had gave Burrow all day, and he would calmly find um, T. Higgins was injured, so he was finding Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd uh, downfield. That guy Trent Irwin, who I'd never heard of until I saw him score a touchdown in the uh, in the highlights. Irv Smith, Drew Sample, uh, and so on. But he was under a lot more pressure than uh, C.J. Stroud was, and he got sacked more. Burrow got sacked four times uh, in this game. Uh, Sheldon Rankins had three sacks. Sheldon Rankins is an interior defensive lineman, like a nose tackle, and he was absolutely everywhere in this game. Like His name came up all over the place uh, when I was watching the highlights uh, and everything. He had three sacks, all, three of the four sacks all by himself, uh, in in this one and he was responsible for a lot of the pressure so the interior of that offensive line of Cincinnati really let Burrow down you know he had because he had all day uh all day he was just running for his life from from one rusher uh, or another and Rankins was a big 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 problem uh, for them so but despite that at the end of three quarters the uh, Texans are up 20 to 17. And then the fourth quarter was just utter insanity, uh, the way that it all went down. So let me see if I can find where the starting point is. Yeah, 20 to 10. Right. So the Bengals get the ball back. Boom. Three plays. Oh, that's make it 2017. Okay. So the fourth quarter starts. It's 20 to 17. My bad. 20 to 17. The Texans, six plays, 75 yards to start the fourth quarter. C.J. Stroud scrambles for a touchdown. They're up 27 to to 17. And at that point, the, the Bengals have the football. Seven plays, 41 yards. Joe Burrow gets picked off in the Houston territory at about the 35, uh, at the Houston 24. So that kills a drive. And when Houston picks it off, there's nine and a half minutes left to go in the game. Houston goes six plays, punts the ball back. Since he gets the ball again, seven plays later, now we're inside the red zone. At the Houston 14, Burrow gets picked off again, twice in the fourth quarter. And it was at this point the broadcasters start talking about how Cincinnati fans started to leave because we're down 10. There's four minutes to go. This game is, it's over now. We need two scores in, in less than four minutes. Yeah, we're probably done. However, three plays into the ensuing tribe for the Texans. C.J. Stroud's pass is deflected into the air and picked off by Taylor Britt and taken all the way back down to the four-yard line of the uh, Texans. So now, all of a sudden, the you know on first down and second down, since he's burning up their timeouts, probably going to burn a third one uh, after the uh, third down uh, play. But instead, that one gets deflected, gets nearly taken back for a pick six. Two plays later, Joe Mixit runs it in from uh, one yard out to make it a twenty-seven. 24 ball game. Very next drive for Houston, three and out. And that third play, third down play was touchy. Stroud had a man open down, side, down the side of the field. I think it was Tank Dell. DB got his hand on it knocked it away. They have to punt. Here come the Bengals. Six plays, 58 yards in only 37 seconds. The uh, uh, McPherson, their field goal kicker, Boots it in from 31 yards out to tie it up at 27. We've got a minute 33 left to go uh, in the game, which, as we learned last week, is just too much time for C.J. Stroud because he proceeds to go six plays, 55 yards, gets his kicker, uh, whose name is Amendola, a guy they plucked off the street, a former XFL kicker because Fairbairn, um, still injured, and apparently they didn't want their backup emergency kicker running back kicking game-winning field goals. So they brought this kid Amendola in. He nails it from 38 yards out at the buzzer, like literally strike zero as the as the ball goes through the uprights to give Houston the 30-27 <laughs> win over the Bengals. I mean, this thing... The fourth quarter was insane. Joe Burrow gets picked off twice, down ten. Both of those interceptions happen with ten minutes to go, with uh, uh, in the fourth quarter where they're down ten. So they these are interceptions they cannot afford. And as a Bears fan, I know if we're down ten and we get picked off twice, the game is over. It is absolutely actually it's been over. But man alive, they get that interception that they nearly run in for a touchdown put a touchdown on the board, defense clamps down uh, on Houston, gets the ball back, puts the ball back in in uh, you know Joe Burrow's hands, who's you know famously known for having ice water in his veins, moved the ball right downfield, gets him the field goal to uh, tie it up and, and possibly send it to overtime. But the defense, who had had all kinds of trouble with C.J. Stroud, couldn't stop him one last time, and uh, it cost him the game. Texans improve to five and four now only a game behind the um, Jaguars who they have a victory over the prior to this their one road win of the season was in Jacksonville they took it to the Jags in that game uh, as well so they're only a game back with seven games left to play or eight for them we play 17 eight games left to go They're only a game back of Jacksonville. And there's a rematch coming up uh, at some point uh, for these guys. Let's see if I can pull that up real quick. So, yeah, they have the Cardinals. They're home for the Cardinals next week. Then the Jaguars come to town after Thanksgiving on the 26th. So, very, very important for Houston to take the Cardinals seriously next week as opposed to looking ahead for what could be a game for first place in two weeks. That's crazy. I mean, you know, it just nobody thought that when they had the second and third pick in the draft that uh, we'd be talking about the, the the Texans having a shot at first place. I mean, and they, they'd actually probably be in line for a playoff run at this point. So let me see if I can pull that up real quick. Standings. All right. In the AFC, yeah, I don't think they'd be in the playoffs. They wouldn't just yet. But they got to be really, really close. Cuz the Dolphins are in first place in the East. You have the Ravens at 7 and 3 in the North. Jacksonville at 6 and 3 in the South. And then Kansas City, who was on the bye this week at 7 and 2, that would be the one seed right now. So, Baltimore would be two. I believe Miami, three. Jacksonville, four. And then I wonder because I think, I think, yeah, actually, I think the Texans would be in because Pittsburgh and Cleveland are both six and three. So, there's five and six. Those are your five and six seeds. Then it comes down to five and four Buffalo and five and four Houston and five and four Cincinnati. But yeah, that's where things get 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 tricky because Cincy just beat Buffalo, but Houston just beat Cincinnati. So would that push Buffalo out? That's interesting. Wow. Yeah, that is, oh, we got to we'll click on the button. Yeah, it's showing that Houston would be in. Wins the tiebreaker on over Buffalo and Cincinnati. Best win percentage in conference games. So there you go. Both Cincinnati and Buffalo would be out, and the Texans would be in as the seventh seed right now. That's bananas. So there you have it. That solves that problem. Just a click of a button, and I found it. So, but exciting game. The Texans are making things really, really interesting there in the AFC because if, uh, you know, it comes down to it, I don't think nobody, it's like C.J. Stroud, because somebody that you could be trusted. Uh, in the playoffs, so, you know, and somebody who's proven in back-to-back weeks now that it's not over until the clock strikes zero, because he's had these two last-minute wins, first over Tampa Bay at home, okay, but on the road in Cincinnati, that's a big deal. That is a big deal, and that's why I picked this game. Could Houston do this? And I'll be damned, they did, but they proved me wrong all at the same time, because I thought Cincinnati would be enough to, uh, to win, but. Unfortunately they weren't. Yeah. San Francisco at Jacksonville won't spend too much time talking about this one because this wasn't a game it just wasn't much of a game at all. I mean like I said earlier the uh, the Jags made it uh, 10 to three at one point like in the first quarter in the second quarter it was 10 to three. that was as close as they got so but it was just like the The 49ers came out on the opening drive right down the field. Four plays, 57 yards, boom, Brandon Ayuk for uh, a touchdown. You know, Jacksonville just had nothing uh, in this game. It's, uh, you know, let me see if I can pull up the stats real quick here. And, you know, 12 first downs in this one, 220 yards of total uh, offense, four for 12 on third down. Two turnovers, four turnovers, excuse me. Two interceptions, two fumbles uh, for Jacksonville. They just got dominated. Not to mention that, uh, you know, Trevor Lawrence got sacked uh, in this one. Five times by the uh, 49er pass rush that now includes uh, Chase Young to go along with his former Ohio State teammate Nick Bosa. And they were up Trevor Lawrence's ass all day long. You know, like I said, as I, in the preview, I said two things uh, about this game. Jacksonville would have to their, play their best game to beat the 49ers and that I would have to see the 49ers win before I could start believing in them again because in those three losses that they had, each win was worse than the one before it. They should have won that game in Cleveland. They missed a field goal at the end of the game that would have won a form would have won it for them. Monday night versus Minnesota, they shoot themselves in the foot. Purdy throws two interceptions late in the game, and so on. You know, they basically they, they, they lost it more than Minnesota won it. All the credit in Minnesota for getting the job done, but I watched that game. 49ers lost it more than Minnesota won it, and then finally, before the bye, they're at home, uh, unlike the first two losses were on the road in Cleveland and Minnesota. Now we're back at home. We're in the home, you know, the friendly confines, if you will, and Cincinnati comes out there and just you know they unlock beast mode uh on them Joe Burrow goes nuts uh, against this defense that's supposed to be so unstoppable that was only allowing 13 points a game in that first 5 games uh of the uh of the season and they just went out there and beat the brakes off the 49ers in their own building and uh dominated them thoroughly uh in that one so it's like yeah it's it's been getting worse so it's like, I got to see the 49ers be the 49ers again before I believe them. Well, Jacksonville did not play one of their best games. In fact, they played, I think, their worst performance of the season. And San Francisco looked at, like that team that in the first five weeks was regarded as the best team in the NFL. They looked like their old selves again. Brock Purdy stopped being a liability. He went 19 for 26 for 296 and three touchdowns. Zero turnovers, no interceptions, no fumbles, no nothing. And, uh, you know, Lawrence threw two interceptions. He fumbled once, was sacked five times. Everything came up San Francisco on Sunday. They annihilated the Jags 34-3. So this really wasn't much of a football game. I thought it was definitely possible that the 49ers could win. That's why I only put one point when choosing the Jaguars. But if I'd have known it was going to be like this, I'd have had 14 on the Bears, 13 on San Fran as they proved me wrong in the biggest way with a huge win over a a snapping Jacksonville's five game uh, winning streak and making them look bad in the process. (laughs) Finally, another AFC North team this time, two of them actually a big AFC North matchup, a rematch of the week four ball game between the Ravens and the Browns this time in Baltimore in Cleveland. Um, Lamar Jackson went off four touchdowns, two rushing, two passing. Uh, the Ravens' defense stomped all over uh, the. I think DTR was the quarterback for the Browns in that uh, for that game. Unfortunately, they never got anything going on the on offense. Lost that game handily, twenty-eight to three to the Ravens. So here's the rematch in Baltimore, and looking at the start of the game, you very much thought. Well, here we go again. The Ravens are just going to roll all over uh, the Browns in this one uh, once again. Opening drive, the Browns have the football. Watson gets a ball deflected into the air, picked off, run back for uh, a touchdown. We're inside the first minute. Kyle Hamilton, 18-yard interception return. So it's like, yeah, that's how the game started. And then, you know, the Ravens get the ball back. Uh, after, uh, the, the, you know, another drive for the Browns, I think they went three and out. Keaton Mitchell, 39 yard touchdown run right down the sideline. We're inside the first five minutes of the game. It's 14 to nothing already. And it's like, man, so I guess we're just going to keep the, the 2023 domination of the Browns at the hands of the Ravens. That's just going to keep on, uh, going here. You know, the, the, uh, the Browns did sprinkle in a field goal to make it, uh, you know, and then the the, the the Ravens added one of their own, make it 17-3 to at the end of the first quarter. Second quarter, kind of uneventful, but the Browns did add a couple more field goals. So now it's only 17-9. It's a one-score game uh, going into the half. But first drive of the second half, Odell Beckham, a 40-yard pass from Lamar Jackson, Caps off a six play, 78 yard drive. Now it's 24 to 9. So the, the Ravens are pulling away. As Lee Corso would say, not so fast, my friend. 17 plays, 75 yards, 10 minute drive for the uh, Browns. Uh, Kareem Hunt comes in from three yards out. Now we're back to a one score ball game. After the two point play, it's 24 uh, to 17. So the. Uh, the Shea Lawson muffs a punt for the uh, Browns, gives the ball right back to the Ravens. This happened in the fourth quarter, and it results in Gus Edwards running the ball out from, you know, one yard. With 11 minutes to go in the game, the Ravens are back up. Th- two scores, 31-17. But... Ensuing drive, Elijah Moore, 10-yard touchdown pass from Deshaun Watson. And then, just to to add a perfect bookend to the day, the game started with a pass deflected for a pick six for the Ravens. Now this time, Lamar Jackson gets one deflected at the line of scrimmage. Greg Newsome for the Browns picks it off, runs it back, 34 yards for a touchdown, and... then of course here comes the twist, because here it is: the Browns think they've just tied the game up. It's thirty-one to thirty. Dustin Hopkins gets out there, misses the extra point, so it's thirty-one to thirty. Thankfully, there's still about eight and a half minutes to go in the game. They they go back and forth uh, with the with the football, sh- you know, sharing punts and uh, and what have you. And then in the end, it's the Browns. 12 plays, 58 yards, a four and a, almost a five-minute uh, drive the last five minutes of the game. Hopkins redeems himself, puts one through the uprights from 40 yards out as time expires to win the game for the Browns, 33-31. to 31. I mean, it's just unbelievable, just the, the back and forth of this game and the fact that Cleveland looked like they were done twice. First in the middle of the game when they go down 14 nothing inside the first five minutes. And then again, they muff a punt in their own territory. The Ravens put it in the end zone to go up two scores with 11 minutes to go. Now, granted, 11 minutes is a lifetime uh, in the NFL. But it had to be so demoralizing, you know. You're already down a score uh, as it is. So you're looking to go and tie. Now, all of a sudden, you're down two scores after you have this mistake that kind of sucks the wind out of the stadium for you, and they put it in the end zone to extend their lead. That's a huge, huge momentum swing. And, you know, got to give credit to Kevin Stefanski and his, and his uh, coaching staff. They kept their guys up. They kept them, uh, you know, motivated and kept them in the ball game. And they came back and won the damn thing, redeeming themselves for that week four loss at home uh, to the Ravens and making things very interesting in that division. The Ravens haven't had their bye yet. So they're seven and three, therefore still ahead uh, of the rounds by about a half game. Now the Browns are six and three, but it's going to make for a very interesting situation, uh, down the line. We really got to get into the weeds, uh, with the tiebreakers because now they split the season series and, you know, they're, they're on a track right now to, uh, they probably meet at some point in the in the playoffs. I wouldn't doubt uh, a third matchup between these two teams. And after the way the first two games win, I'd love to see the rubber match. But 16 points from the Browns in the fourth quarter was the difference as it was enough to give them that 33-31 to 31 victory. And I'll be damned, I picked the Ravens to win this one. And then one of those last-second field goals did me in uh, as, as several others did as you've heard in the new in uh, all-out blitz. So. so there you have it, guys, the pick six for week number 10, and that will do it for the review for week number 10. Uh, come back on Thursday for the week 11 uh, preview. Haven't had a chance to look at the schedule yet, so I don't know what I'm going to be able to sink my teeth into, but we'll go through the... Uh, Go through the pick'em standings, see how things are going. Right through, you know, going into the Monday night game, I was leading the pack, but I think I was, or at least I was leading the pack almost all day on Sunday. And I think actually it was the the Raiders and Jets game that put me behind. So I might be in second place. We'll see um, when the uh, when I sit back when I look at the uh, the uh, the standings, but. Um, So we'll go through the pick'em standings, any news and notes that we can dig up and preview our pick six and the all-out blitz for week number 11. So come back on Thursday for that. And until then, my name is Larry D. This has been the Fourth Phase, and we will see you next time.